cliffcentral.com. I do. Yes, I do. Oxalai. Do you know what the song is? Hopefully, hopefully something else. Oxalai. Something. At the end of the day, say a jola. That's that's basically what the song is saying. I feel like this, this song should speak to us a lot. This, this man did an entire song saying just two, two things. Oxalai or jola. At the end of the day. Whether you do up and down, whether you go from left to right, whether you march, whether you march, whether we are together in this thing. <laughs> Some are more together than others. Hello, welcome yes. to the show. It's frankly speaking, one hour of uh, things you wanted to say, things you wanted to speak about, but haven't found the right place to do it. It's here. It's here with us. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? I'm strong. How are you, man? Yeah, man. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting there. Mm. I'm getting there. Uh, interesting four or five days. It has. Uh, I think the, the, the big thing is that um, our Teflon Don remains on the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is why this song is so apt. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, whether we march against this guy, whether we... He's still there. Motions huh? of no confidence, whether we any see him... Oxalayo. <laughs> we're ba- we're we're tied at the hip with this guy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We can't we can't get rid of him. Oxalayo. Oxalayo. Ah, he's with us. This man. It doesn't matter who speaks out. Uh, this man just seems invincible. It's it's amazing. What are we speaking about today, Rob? So the big thing today, frankly speaking, can the promise be recaptured? Um, so there were. Yet another report. So after the SACC, uh, the South African Council of Churches uh, released their report uh, on the state of capture in South Africa, um, the academics, a group of academics, an uh, interdisciplinary team across different universities released a, a report themselves around mm. the, the workings of uh, the the captured state, basically, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, they called it the betrayal of the promise. Mm-hmm. And they basically go into great detail. And you called me in the middle of the night freaking out uh, as you were reading this report. <laughs> uh, but the essence of it is that uh, the Gupta, the, the Zupta um, axis has, uh, has, has, has managed to uh, execute a silent coup. Um, so what they've effectively done is they've decided to hollow out. So instead of, instead of taking over overtly, they've basically hollowed out, uh, state institutions and basically repurposed them, mm. um, so that they benefit, uh, a few who are linked to the Zupta network. Mm. And National Treasury was the last, was the last, uh, the last stand. stand. And, and with that taken, oh man, it's just, uh, it's a looting mania because the chief procurement officer sits inside um uh that's the treasury so he all of the procurement government's procurement spend is now under the, under their control um you've got um uh, the 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 PIC the public investment corporation that is all of the investment money from mm. all the pensions uh, they've got control over that they've got control over the SOEs the the state owned enterprises um and that and the procurement spend that sits there um so basically this is now this now enables uh widespread looting mm. um and so the big question is cheapest we have seen every effort under the sun to try and uh deal with this and to get it out the way and can can we recapture can the country be recaptured mm-hmm. is is probably the big question for today
All right, we're going to be speaking to uh, a, a very, very, very uh, big activist in South Africa, Mark Hayward. He's on the line at the moment, and we need to get to him quickly because he's got about 16 different interviews and 14 meetings that he should be in right now. Uh, Mark from Johannesburg, good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time. Morning. I, I did explain to your producer the line is awful, and I can hardly hear anything. Let's try and uh, get you back on the line. Uh, let's phone you back and see what we can do there. Uh, Rory, while we're trying to phone him back, let's, um, let's just understand this for a second. You know, we've been speaking and focused on Zuma and we spoke to Justice a few shows back and Justice was very clear that Zuma is only but one of a bigger, bigger problem, a bigger network. I think my big question from all of the stuff that's gone on in the last little while is that the NEC is a huge problem because they've all been captured in some way or form. At least most of them have. Let's not say all. Um, so Zuma goes, right? And he knows he's going to go. And someone else comes in. Let's say worst case scenario, it's Lamini Zuma. Best case scenario, it's, uh, I don't know, Cyril Ramaphosa. Middle case scenario is it's someone we don't even know. Um... Do you think it's all going to stop? No, it's it's an absolute mess, and hence the hence hence our conversation today. It's it's very difficult to see how you reverse uh, all of it. Uh, everyone is on the take. Everyone has already uh, had a, 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 a some curry, um, if not if not a spoonful, at least they've had a whiff of it. And no, but this this is what it's called. This is what it's called. Everybody is on the is on is on the carry train, and uh, and unfortunately, uh, there's no one who can stand up and and reverse it. And unfortunately, it goes down. Um, it it replicates itself across the different layers and of society. So it's very difficult to dismantle because you dismantle it, and a lot of people come down. So, but let's let's check with Mark. Maybe he's got to me. He he led March. Um, March after and, March, and, after and he's March. definitely part of a civil society's push against this. Uh, and it would be an interesting question to find out if civil society itself isn't captured uh, in <laughs> any way. Um, Mark, good morning. Good morning. That is an interesting question, yes. Mark, who amongst your colleagues is captured? Well, look, uh, <laughs> um, I think it's a serious question. And, and what I would say is that I think civil society and social justice organizations must be subject to the same level of scrutiny and accountability as we demand of government and as we demand of business. Uh, you know, I can certainly say when I speak to the organizations that I'm involved in, uh, that I'm the director of Section 27 and the Treatment Action Campaign, that we are not captured, uh, that we have always pursued an agenda that is the agenda of transformation and equality, which is captured in our highest law in the Constitution. And we've also always been open about who it is that, that, that funds us. Mm. But, you know, there is no doubt that around the world, and possibly in South Africa as well, that sometimes movements, and organizations are set up precisely to pursue a material or political objective. But, you know, in South Africa, at this moment in time, the movement against Zuckerism, the movement against corruption, is not a movement that has any hidden agendas. It is a movement 
that is for the vision of our constitution. Mark, uh, you you speak about this movement, and it's really concerning. It, it's almost like this movement keeps getting dealt uppercuts uh, with every week. Um, or is that just an uninformed perspective of somebody who sits on the outside? Zuma I has wouldn't. just survived another NEC showdown. Well, um, yeah, look... Can, can can the country be recaptured, Mark? I think that's 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 basically what we're trying to get at. Yeah, uh, I, I believe the country can be recaptured, mm. and I believe that uh, very significant things have happened uh, over the last few months. Not only in terms of what is being done on the side of the corrupt and the corruptors, uh, but also the growing coherence of civil society. The fact that the churches are once again working together with the trade unions and with civil society organizations. The fact that we know very, very clearly now the contours of state capture. We're knowing increasingly clearly who the capturers are, who the individuals are, what their, what their behaviors are, what their networks are. Um, I don't think that, you know, it's correct to say that civil society has taken up a cut. Uh, this is going to be a protracted, uh, battle. Um, even if we are successful in bringing about the uh, resignation of, of President Jacob Zuma by lawful means, that's not going to be the end of the day because we know that this is a cancer uh, that is deeply rooted and is going to have to be treated. Uh, and so we, you know, I think what we're having to do, what we're having to look at, is how do we build a new politics in this country and how do we build a new politics that is about reconstruction and renewal and equality and use the forward movement around that to excise the, the, the problems that we're talking about this morning. Mark, uh, you're speaking in very metaphorical terms. Um, yeah. Uh, but practically, what does that look like? So it feels like the rot has extended across, um, you know, across uh, state institutions and so on. You, 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 you chop off the head, another one pops up. Um, yep. Practically, what would it look like for us to recapture the country? Well, first of all, there's one head. <laughs> Continue with your use of metaphors. But really, <laughs> if it is chopped off, will make a difference because the pillar that is holding a lot of this up is the president and the powers that are vested with the president. Uh, it will be far more difficult to sustain this if the president is removed and is replaced with a person of proven integrity. What does it look like practically? Well, again, this is dependent on removing the president, but a focused judicial commission of inquiry into this state capture where the evidence that is now circulating can be properly presented, properly assessed, and where criminal charges can then follow against the people who have behaved unlawfully and criminally would go a long way towards doing that. I'm afraid that we need to then look almost in every government department at what has happened in a government department. So let, let me take health, for example. Mm. You know, I do a lot of work, obviously, Section 27 in the health department, so we know what happens in the health department. Mm. Uh, we know, we've actually researched it several years ago, what are the, what is the sort of modus of, of theft in the health department? Where are the vulnerable points, places for theft? We have to close those down. We, we're not able to close them down, for example, in the free state at the moment, whilst you have Premier Ace Makashule who himself is directly involved in, in state capture. Mm. 
So it's going to be a, you know, a complex process, but we know a lot of, about it. Um, and what we need is the will to, to tackle it. And what we have to continue to do as civil society is not think that a few little NGOs and people in the know can deal with this. We have to do far, far, far more now to mobilize people in this country, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of ordinary people, to challenge corruption and bad governance wherever it occurs, whether it's in a local school, whether it's on a, on a hospital board, to, to know what their rights are and to take it on. So well, I wouldn't, let yeah. me just say this, I wouldn't for one second underestimate the size of what confronts us. Yeah. But what 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 do you so people will say yeah but we have marched we have seen the Seriti commission that was supposed to be a, yeah. a, an independent uh, commission of inquiry that doesn't that didn't get anywhere um, so all of the things that you are proposing haven't proven themselves to be effective um, in this battle one might argue so so what is it that needs to change about the way we're doing this that's going to fundamentally change things it seems that even our marching even our protesting even the prospects of the ANC losing power in 2019 are not enough uh, to make these guys change so what 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 then needs to change to make sure that we actually see a difference well what I would say to you is that nobody should have the idea that one march is going to uh, solve the problem. But take the march that took place in Pretoria to the Union buildings on the 7th of April, which we organized, Save South Africa organized. You know, that exceeded our expectations. Nearly 50,000 people on the streets. That emboldened people all over the country start to look more closely at this issue, to organize their own demonstrations. That played a part, in my belief, in emboldening organizations like the SACP to begin to speak out into a space where they had kept quiet. It emboldened the South African Council of Churches with the research that they were doing in the, in the unburden, what they, what they called the unburdening process, the unburdening panel. And that's why I go back to the point that what we've seen over several months now is a rising opposition. But it's a rising opposition not through political parties. It's a rising opposition through civil society organizations. But the job is not, is not done yet. So, you know, I would urge people not to think that single actions or events can resolve this problem. I would urge people to see that each action plays an incremental part in taking this uh, in taking this, this movement forward. You know, you mentioned the Sariti Commission. We nobody had their eyes on the Sariti Commission. Uh, next time, you know, if we have a judicial, if we can get a judicial of, uh, commission of inquiry into state capture, we're going to have to watch that very closely. We're going to have to make sure we make submissions to that. You can't leave it to a small group of organizations, as happened with the Sariti Commission. And, you know, my opinion, honestly, is that state capture didn't start with the Guptas. State capture, probably, state capture, at least the latest round of it, started with the arms deal. Because that is when companies and individuals started to purchase power over our politicians. Mm. 
Mark, uh, just before we let you go, um, firstly, congratulations on all the work that you've done. Um, you are a true South African activist, and uh, I think uh, in the future people will call you a hero at some stage, if they don't already do. Um, but in your most somber moments, in, in the moments where you're by yourself, you know, I know Comrades is coming up for you this weekend. Uh, you do a lot of running by yourself in, in the middle of nowhere. Um, those moments where you get very down, depressed, and you don't see the light, what, what are the thoughts? What are you thinking about? What's the feeling? Well, there are, I mean, you're right. There are moments. Uh, because we see you down. as the optimist, right? We, we're like, well, it's all going to shit, but let's speak to Mark Hayward because he's always <laughs> positive, right? Um, but, you know, of course you're human, so you have negative and sad and depressing moments as well. What, what is your feelings in those moments uh, around... Um, What's happening in state capture at the moment? Well, it's very depressing. I felt very, very depressed over the weekend, at the end of the weekend, when it became clear that the ANC NEC had failed to do the right thing. And I realized afterwards that what was making me most depressed was not that I didn't expect politically that this would be the outcome at this stage, but the failure of the human being on the NEC to show that they have morality, to show bravery. It was it was a huge personal disappointment and that carried right into my soul because I like to believe in the good of the vast, vast majority of human beings and I still like to believe in the good of the ANC and in most of the upper echelons of the ANC. So there are moments of loneliness, there are moments of self-doubt, there are moments of questioning um, and there are moments where you sometimes feel so tired that you think, well, maybe I should just do something else. But those moments are fleeting moments. And for me, what usually pulls me out of those moments is engagement with other activists or other ordinary people who are doing their best mm. to try to make this country something that we can joy in. It's not just believing. It's not just having to do with politics. It's something that we can really joy in because we have a rich and beautiful country and a rich and beautiful people we're capable of so much more and that that is what picks me up <laughs> and will keep picking me up to be quite honest with you mark thank you so much for your time i know you've got about four different interviews to go to uh so we really appreciate it thank you for for your enlightening comments and uh let me just say good luck with comrades i'm sure in those deep and dark moments on the 13 hour trip you'll have a lot of uh, introspective moments and hopefully by the end of it we'll have a great facebook post of what to see the future because you've probably seen it in those in those moments (laughs) of pain so thank you so much and all the best you're quite right. Thanks for that. There's <laughs> going to be lots of time to think deeply. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, Mark. Thank, okay. you. Thank you so thank much, you. friend. All the best. Cheers. Mark Hayward, Section 27, doing fantastic work. It must be difficult seeing the amount of capture going on. And uh, Do you think we're <sighs> captured? We, we're having a very one-sided oh. conversation about this. Uh, we have decided that uh, Zuma is guilty. Mm. We are not even taking his side of the story into account. Um, and we've just decided he must go. You think we're captured? We're captured by the media, yeah, the yeah, yeah. monopoly capital yes. interests. Uh, no. <laughs> I think it's how, too- how do you know? Because you actually haven't done any counter 
research, right? You haven't. Have you spent enough time watching ANN Seven? And no, I don't. So even, I, I, every now and then on these issues, now I, I switch to ANN Seven right. just to get like an alternative view, a balanced view, just to see like, okay, uh-huh. well, how are they spinning this thing, right? Yes. And yes, it sounds ludicrous, but I often ask myself, does it sound ludicrous because I am captured mm. uh, by the other side, or or is it ludicrous because it is it is objectively ludicrous? But what are the interests of the other side exactly? You're talking about are we captured? What what are the interests? No, it's the same. Everybody everybody's trying everybody's Gupta, trying to get our yeah, every, everyone is trying to get our uh us on board this uh this train that 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 goes against um everything that is Zupta. Um so they're all competing. Both sides are competing for our attention and our energy. Before we answer that because I think we can answer that. Let's let's speak to um uh Mark Swilling. He was one of the instrumental people in uh, the report, the betrayal of the promise. Mark, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I know you you don't have a lot of time with us. Um, thank you for joining us today. We're speaking about how do we recapture the captured state? How do we recapture the promise? Uh, the report, what what sparked it for you? What was the moment where you're like, right, we're going to get involved in, in making this report? Basically, it was the cabinet uh, reshuffle and the press conference that took place afterwards uh, by Tavim Gordon and uh, Jonas, where Gordon refers to the need to join the dot. And, uh, I, you know, that's really what academics are supposed to do. And when I looked around the academic community and, and, and asked, you know, who's doing work on this uh, to, to, to provide some kind of framing or meaning of what's going on, there wasn't a lot. So that really was the moment. And um, if you if you look at uh, what then happened from that moment where you guys realized, okay, this is what's going on, was the other side ever looked at? Is there anyone doing work on uh, work on this from the Zupta point of view? Um, who would argue that uh, you know this is a conspiracy and and so on and so on? Uh, is anyone is anyone doing work on this from the perspective of the Zupta uh, side, the Zuma government? Yes. Um, well, I mean, uh, there's a whole very well organized uh, media campaign in the Twitterverse and beyond mm. to construct a discourse on white monopoly capital mm. uh, as a kind of smokescreen for what really going on and then everyone gets branded accordingly. And none of your academic colleagues have taken this up and are researching it from that point of view? From that point of view? Yeah. Um, well, uh, Chris Malikani, uh, mm. uh, professor of economics at Brit, is an advisor to Minister Gigaba and has provided a kind of uh, fanonic uh, framing of uh, radical economic uh, transformation uh, and essentially argues that you can't make an omelette with, without breaking the egg. Mm. And uh, if breaking the egg means um, dismantling a whole bunch of uh, constitutional frameworks, mm. then that's the price that you need to pay. Mark, um, so a lot of what is in the report is really scary, but well done on that. Um, but it, it is really scary. How much of it 
would you say is just subjective inferences and how much of it are just objective truths? This is exactly what has happened. There has been a silent coup. Um, people have done the things that, or, or because in joining the dots, sometimes you make inferences because uh, you don't have objective evidence to prove. Uh, to, to what extent is this a, a, an objective truth in the report and to what extent is it a lot of subjective inference? Well, I think it's neither. Um, mm. I mean, social scientists don't uh, use those categories of subjective, uh, objective. What we uh, we are we are constructionists in the sense that we take what evidence there is available, uh, both from interviews, newspapers, court records, and the collection of empirical data, and all of that information is itself uh, constructed by people who are putting together data and information in ways that suit them. Mm. So the job of the academic is then to, is to develop uh, a conceptual framework that, has, that is rooted in the literature in order to interpret what is What's already on? Uh, a set of interpretations mm. in order to give meaning. And we are not saying we are right. We're not claiming that this is the truth. Mm. We're saying that if this is a useful framing that helps you understand what is going on, Mm. From your perspective, use it. If it doesn't, it's don't use it. Mm. Mark, I'm very interested in the report. It was fantastic. Congratulations to you and your team. Um, I'm not as much on the fence as Rory. Rory's trying to be show a balanced view. He's trying to figure out. He's been captured by someone else, maybe potentially. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm more interested in in the report. There were there were probably moments that you and your team had a piece of information. Um, couldn't couldn't create that framework that you you were speaking about earlier, and so had to leave it out. Anything of interest to you there that um, we won't hold you to, and you you clearly didn't put it in the report, so it's something that is uh, a bit more hearsayish or didn't fit into your conceptual framework. That uh, that would be interesting to hear about. Well, I don't think. Uh that, that that's not really what happened. What what happened is there's a whole bunch of stuff that is too dangerous to publish uh, because um, we we would put ourselves at risk in big terms, um, and we would also put at risk sources. So you know you have a conceptual framework, you have a whole bunch of material that you can use, and a bunch of material that you can't use, and then you you walk a very fine line. Uh, between those two, uh, so that's, that's really, I mean, just to give one example, there's a lot of, there's quite a number of, uh, pieces of really good pieces of evidence of how, uh, very good, uh, uh, BEE companies have lost our contracts to Gupta companies, even though their prices were lower. Mm. Um, so, so in the name of black empowerment, radical economic transformation, there's a whole bunch of really good BE companies that are losing out. Hmm. Uh, so there are specific cases of those that we have. But the sources are too easily identifiable. Ah, I see. Um, and uh, we don't want to put them in danger. So we have to find other sources to confirm what we already know in order to mask the original source. It's, um... that, takes, that takes time. Sounds like you're not being academics, you're being brilliant investigative journalists. I think there'd be some very, very uh, powerful journalists who would be proud of you right now. There's something interesting in your report that that did spark my eye, which was this um, two things actually. The first was the Russian influence, um, and this this idea of 
for be- lack of a better word, because I don't have the language, Russian uh, spies, effectively, or, or someone reporting back to the Russian government. And also the fraudulent behavior of money transferring out into Dubai. Uh, I think you mentioned Hong Kong and India. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. And, you know, a lot of the stuff one could say is nepotism and, oh, you know, like it's just this guy getting a deal, a tender deal. So there's nothing wrong with it. But surely some of those, those sources, some of those links that we're talking about, about money laundering, I mean, clearly quite illegal. Um, by any any stretch of the imagination, is there no way that that one could be tripped up? The Guptas could be tripped up um, through looking into some of those sources. And I mean, the Russians having spies in our government. I mean, that's tantamount tantamount to um, to what's that beautiful word? Espionage. I don't know. Treason. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are your well, thoughts on that, Mark? Well, I mean, these are not spies. These are these are. Um these are members of Russian intelligence that are openly in certain operating in, in key corridors of power in order to influence the decision making around um, the nuclear deal in particular. And uh, quite a number of these, like if you, the, the, some of the uh, representatives of the, of the Russian nuclear, nuclear company quite openly say, listen, we already have an agreement. This just has to be implemented. But in practice, there isn't an agreement because as the court, the court has ruled that the procurement procedure is illegal and mm. needs to be kick-started from the beginning. Mm. And, you know, this, we still have a constitutional democracy which puts in place all sorts of constraints, which is not the case in Russia. So the Russians don't quite understand why we can't. Why, what's the problem? Why don't you know, the president has decided let's just build the bloody thing? Yeah. Um, so there's a kind of frustration on their part. Um, I mean, on the, on the, on the, on the, the flows of illicit, illicit finance uh, into, especially through Hong Kong, which is, you know, the global capital for money laundering. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, the, the emergence of these emails. Uh, there's rumors that there is a couple of hundred thousand emails um, in, in, in kind of data caches mm. that might land up on WikiLeaks type websites or wherever they're going to land up. Once those are in the public domain, which is you know, pretty much a matter of time, then it's going to be possible for researchers to comb through them mm. and find the little rat tails. Yeah, uh, that are necessary in order to really get a much fuller picture of how it actually works, and then that provides the basis for could feed into the judicial commission of inquiry, which the NEC now is approved must go ahead. Mm. Mark, bef- just last question as we let you go. So you have constructed a conceptual framework around how this is happening. How would yeah. we recapture the country based on this uh, conceptual framework? Where are the the weaknesses within this network that we can exploit to recapture the country on behalf of the people? Well, there's many weaknesses, um, um, and that's that, you know that's that's often what happens uh, in these kinds of systems. It's a very unstable, crisis-prone network, um, and uh, in, a, in a den of thieves, there's always one or two thieves who fall out with the rest and are interested in, uh, in talking. And the 
South African Council of Churches provides an unburdening panel for for for, for, for those kinds of uh, mm, people. Mm, mm. Um, there is the Judicial Commission of Inquiry, which then becomes a key focus. It's a bit. It's going to be a bit like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, kind of center of attraction for, for quite some time. Uh, and then there is a talk of a broader popular front uh, coming together. Um, of major forces and parties and social movements. Um, and then there is the press, uh, just to kind of continue hammering away, breaking the story. Mm. Uh, quite often at considerable risk to the people who do the work. Um, so, I mean, that's how I would summarize it. Those are the fronts. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Mark, for your time. Um, keep on the good work. Uh, we will continue to ask uh, on both sides of the issue. This is a very interesting thing to be just a normal South African watching everything because you, you just don't know what truth is anymore. So please uh, yeah. continue to reveal um, the, the facts and the issues so that we can um, deal with them and try and figure out how we move this country forward. Okay, sure. Mark, thank Let's you so much talking. for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All the yeah. best. Mark Swilling, he was uh, one of the authors of uh, Betrayal of the Promise. It is a 72-page fantastic read. Um, it reads like a novel. It eh? reads like a murder mystery. Uh, I'm surprised no one's been murdered yet that we know of that's in the public domain. I really am. I, I, I think that, that that's been Murder's one thing. Murder's too messy. And maybe that that's maybe. that's how that's how people that's huh? how people get uh, that's how you begin to create the trail of blood. But the mafia they put the the swim of the fishies. Huh? You're gonna swim with the fishies. This is not the mafia, man. This, this is, is the, the mafia. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This is 100 percent the mafia. No, uh, if you read the book, um, I need to find out that author. He he looked back at the entire Gupta history in South Africa. It is seriously, absolutely absurd. This started in 1996 when the Guptas first came to to South Africa. Uh, they originally tried in China, but uh, didn't have any luck there because the laws were too uh, stringent on uh, foreign interests and foreign investments. Mm. And then they came to South Africa, and they have been pumping out ever since. This let's, is uh, the mafia. Let I want to get you. back to the idea of the mafia, but uh, before that, let's get... Um, uh, General Bantu Holomisa on the line, um, the leader of the UDM. Uh, General, good morning. Good morning. Uh, just a quick one, General. Uh, so we have seen now, um, marches have happened. Uh, the NEC seems to have failed. Um, where to from here? How do we recapture this captured state? Um, uh, after this report, uh, betrayal of the promise by the academics, things look really, really gloomy. Uh, what is it going to take to, to, to ultimately recapture this captured state uh, on behalf of the people? Well, it looks like uh, we will witness this until 2019. Mm. And uh, so we are left with uh, almost two years uh, for the voters to once more show their disgust and anger mm. by voting ANC out. Uh, but we are also happy that uh, there are some members now within the ANC who are trying something. You remember last time uh, when we raised votes of no confidence, it was just dubbed as a thing of the opposition. Mm. Now senior members 
in the ANC, including some cabinet ministers, are saying no, no, no. So one can conclude now that uh, indeed ANC uh, is run by cliques, cartels, mm. or factions, or it has factions. General, how how do we wait until 29? That's two years, and uh, based on this report, uh, it looks like uh, they, these guys are doing quick work uh, of hollowing out our state institutions and so on. Will there be anything left for us to salvage by 2019? If that message or that question you are asking were to be drilled into the minds of the members of parliament of ANC, to save the situation in a short term mm. by supporting a, a motion of no confidence in Parliament, which we have already filed. So I hope that uh, they can they can help us. But if they call the party line, the forces party line, and then then you must know that uh, the ANC indeed put interest of the party and their leaders ahead of the nation. But, uh, General, wouldn't you do the same? So if you are, if you are, let's say, one of these ministers and uh, the president has said that if you push me too far, I am going to speak, what would you do uh, as one of them? Because that, that's the situation they find themselves in. It's never mind what's good for the country. It's what's good for me. Uh, the president has threatened to speak. Uh, what would you do and what would be your advice to them? Well, the easiest way, if they are sincere in what they are doing, is simply to quit. The cabinet must resign and must as a way of protest. Mm. Sometimes we are going to soon dub them as hypocrites. Mm. Why do they stay there on attacking and then the following day they go kneeling in front of the president for their salary? Yeah. Oh, it's it's it, it's really it's really a hard one. I, I mean, I can imagine people who have small and small skeletons in their closets, uh, <laughs> uh, busy contemplating that they, if I do quit uh, and if I do do this, uh, uh, that means I'm I'm off to jail. Um, is there well, is there well, any? Unfortunately, if they were to do that, they would vindicate. Those who say that uh, the ASC corruption is eating mm. into the body politics of ASC like a cancerous tumor. Mm. That would vindicate us who have been saying the whole body is up. Yeah, right from the head down. General, yeah. I have a, a bit of a, a weird question to ask you. Um, if in, in, a, in a weird, different world... Um, we got to a space where there was a commission of inquiry and it said that all parliamentarians will now be investigated. Uh, if you want to do this, if you want to in- investigate the ANC uh, and and the bigwigs, uh, President Zuma and the rest, uh, we will need to investigate all parliamentarians for everything that they've done, everything that they've been involved in. How many of the politari- politarians from opposition parties do you think would actually uh, be willing to do that? Well, I think uh, the we must not mix the issue. Deal with Duma and the government of the ANC. But if there is a compelling reason why you want to include the MPs, 
I'm sure the MPs of the opposition would not mind. After all, they are not; they don't have access to state resources. Mm. Mm. Uh, General, last question as we let you go. What what comes next? Um, so the last time we spoke to you, it was just before the marches uh, with all the parties and with the trade unions. That's that's done now. Um, the NEC has tried its bit. What's the next? What's the next thing for ordinary people who are watching this and want to get involved? Uh, well, the more they keep Zuma in in power, the more they organize for the opposition. Mm. What we need to do now is simply to go out and educate the voters. Mm. Okay, well, thank you very much, General, for your time this morning. Thank you. Um, thank you. Jish, uh, Andrew, um, I'm hearing Educate the Voters 2019. I'm feeling like there is no, t- like that's two years. <laughs> so, I'm feeling like in 2019 we're not going to have anything to do. It's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Uh, I'm really, really worried. Um, but uh, let's see. I, I don't think that we've got two years to spare. I, uh, the thing about it, Rory, which is interesting to me, uh, is this idea that this is the devil we know, right? So this is the, the, the people we know are capturing our state. What comes next? If we've built a system, a political system, an economic system that has allowed for these people to take over like this, in this way, surely we should be worried about what comes next. Let's just say the ANC loses in 2019, right? And uh, we get the DA in, for example. You know, all these criticisms of the DA and who actually runs the DA would be seriously worrying to me personally because we, we've seen in the public domain how the DA hasn't dealt with one of their former leaders. The DA has some very interesting investment holdings um, in, in compromised countries. And so... Would the system that we've created just allow for those people to take over from the Guptas? Um, would we be turning a surname of the Gupta into a, a different surname? If the EFF came in, we've seen that uh, their leader, Julius Malema, has been compromised before. I mean, at age 30, to have a tax bill of close to 23 million rand is unheard of. Um, so is he compromised as well? So it's, I'm more concerned that the system that we've created and allowed to create um, through this looting uh, means that, you know, it doesn't matter who comes next because the same people, the same capitalist interests will then try and take over them as well. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, if you look at, they spoke about uh, earlier, I think one of the marks spoke about uh, we need to chop the head off, um, mm. which is which is remove the president, right? And he says that by doing that um, a lot, because he is a central pillar in this thing, a lot of this will disintegrate. And I'm like, yeah, well, is the problem the person of the president or is it the role of the president, mm. right? So whoever comes in, comes in and is vested with the same powers that the current president has. Mm. Once that person is vested with all of those powers, what do they do with it? Mm. Um, you know, it, it looks like we don't have adequate checks and balances within our constitutional system that makes sure that when a guy goes rogue, as our president has, um, that we don't, that, that, that he doesn't have the power to just do what mm. he wants willy-nilly. And that is very worrying right i mean the fact that with all the facts on the table and so on Mm. this man has the power he is the only person who can commission an inquiry into himself 
<laughs> that is just weird. Um, it, 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 it's really, it's concerning and it's weird. So I think the big thing is, how do we make sure that we, we move, and that's a two-thirds majority that would be required to make a constitutional amended, amendment that would ensure that we've got checks and balances in place. Mm. We've heard previously how, um, the argument has been that, uh, we created the constitution around the idea of a Mandela as president, right? Mm. Somebody that could be trusted, somebody that had, uh, that was perceived to have integrity and so on. Unfortunately, uh, we hadn't anticipated that everyone that comes after him is not Mandela, mm. um, Mandela-esque, and Mandela-esque, and they're going to behave in, in, in ways that, that really make us regret, mm. uh, what we've done. Now, is it possible? Right now, you can't even get the ANC and the DA to agree to us uh, creating laws that basically make it uh, make it transparent uh, that we see who funds who, mm. right? So it looks like again where politicians where politicians um, have their own interests uh, at heart or at stake, they don't they won't act, mm. right? The DA and the ANC collectively can ensure that we be, we have a more transparent. Uh, a view System, yeah. around uh, a party funding, and they're blocking that. Right. So, is the would they also, if they anticipate that 2019 uh, they might be president and so on, would they also then be able to come together and say, right, let's weaken the powers of politicians? Mm. Right. They're already squealing about the qu- the courts and um, how the courts keep getting in the way of the executive in mm, terms of mm, mm. Uh, doing their job. But, um, you know, so would they, would, would they basically vote for, would the turkeys vote for Christmas? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, Rory, the one other thing that I was thinking about is when you say cut off the head and we talk about South Africans and our agency, specifically the middle class and the elites, I wonder what it would take for the average South African um, well, not the average South African, the middle class and elite South African who's got money, who's got agency, who's who's got big business and who's doing business with a Gupta or a minister uh, or a company that a minister is involved with um, for them to say, no, you know, we're going to stop doing this. Uh, we saw it a little bit with the JSC saying that Oak Bay couldn't be registered. We saw it with uh, some of the banks, but there are still deals going on. You know, these people don't live within a vacuum. Mm. Um, we're giving them space to live effectively. The Guptas are allowed to do what they do because people are doing business with them. Now, if we were really concerned about this, surely it would be a situation of saying, let's hold South Africans to account, specifically South Africans with big money, and say, how do we stop letting these guys trade here? But this is, you see, again, this this is where the problem is, is uh, to what extent and on what on what grounds, right? So we have created this boogeyman in the name of the Guptas, but but it's uh, not a boogeyman. But it's not just no, no. It's a boogeyman. It's now like the Guptas are, and it's fine, right? They, they, there's they evidence, hands, Rory. There's evidence, but it's there's evidence against other people. So yeah, are we going fine. to are we going to shut their accounts as well? So Absolutely. You see that's, Let's but deal I with don't everyone. think. But then that's where that's where we get compromised because uh, a few of of the banks' buddies uh, also have dirty hands, and so then the question becomes: So you're going to shut down? Then what we're what we're straying into here is into lawlessness, right? Is into discrimination, is into the fact that people can be denied services on the basis of my opinion of how they haven't been. So we we have to remember these people haven't been 
uh, taken to a court of law. They haven't been declared guilty of anything, right? So, so in and amongst all of this thing, it doesn't mean that I believe that they, they aren't, their hands aren't dirty, but, but they haven't broken a law in terms of the courts deciding that they have broken a law. If we begin to go extrajudicial around, uh, you know, pronouncing judgments and guilt and then taking action. Uh, where does that stop? I think that what it's showing to me is that South Africa is completely compromised. And I think they have been, they have been found guilty of doing dodgy deals. They have been, they haven't been found guilty. Where have they been found guilty? Well, let's think about this, right? When you take Des Van Royen, on a trip to no 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 to so, Dubai, but, but right? What again, do you want Des to do? No, but in that, Dubai? that is they haven't been taken to a court of law and declared guilty. When you take the minister to Switzerland to organize a deal for you, you, you for think, you, you think they're the only ones? They're the only ones who do that. But this is what I'm saying, Rory. The whole of South Africa is compromised, and it's time that we stop worrying about our personal attributes in this and say. If we want to make a real change, because let's be honest, 40 million of the 50 million are still closed out from this economy because of exactly what's going on here. So I agree with you. It's not just the, the Guptas. There's a whole bunch of other names and surnames that should be involved in this. But then we've got to close them all out. That's the fair thing to do. We've got to really look into every single one of them. And if they are dodgy, so, we need to close them so down. So who's we? I have no idea. Because that's the thing. The, pe- the people, <laughs> the people that have the power to 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 make this change and this difference are the very same people who are exploiting the system. And and that is the challenge, right? Is you have you have big business and so on. Look at look at what came out recently around transformation, right? That is comparably relatively a small thing to fix in the broader scheme of things. Mm. If they're not going to fix that, uh, what makes you think they're going to fix systems in which they they benefit mm. to this extent? Um, this idea that um, there are there are there are parts of the system that are more moral than others. I think is. Balderdash. I think the, the the whole point is, uh, we just basically, it's, we change hands. The, the 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 plate changes hands, and different people eat at different times, and they fight over the, they fight over the spoils, and, uh, but the system itself does not change. And I think there is a broader question that we need to be asking ourselves: is so how do we disrupt the system? Is there a way of disrupting the system? Um, because sooner or later, you and I become old, we get kicked off, uh, air, um, we decide to go and spend our retirement, um, on boards and stuff, and then we're captured. Now we mm. stop speaking like this, right? Mm. Um, I heard a story last week uh, around, um, I think it was an arms trader or someone who uh, used to, to do deals with the apartheid government. And um, he was asked uh, when at the dawn of democracy, he was asked, cheapest, aren't you worried? Your business is about to go down the drain. Now you're going to be, there's a new government in place, you know. Um, you were dealing with the apartheid government. And now, mm-hmm. and he looked at them, he said, you know, what you don't realize is every politician has a price. Mm. Right? All I need to do is find the price for the new guys and business continues as usual. And apparently business continued as usual. I'm sure. Right. So everyone has a price, man. But but this is the point. Maybe we need to reevaluate our morals in, in South Africa specifically and in the world because, you know, this is not just a South African thing. We, we see what's going on in America and it's hilarious. So we can pontificate all day about no, politicians. No, but it's not. Let's just talk in about you and I, In our domain of right? power. Yeah. Let's talk about you and I. Yeah. Right, there will come a moment where, specifically, more probably with you because you're you're a big oh, businessman, and, and I work for an NGO, right? Where you're going <laughs> you to have to make a devil. decision. You're going to have to make a decision. Yes. Right. 
And then it comes down to all these conversations that we've had on Frankly Speaking and individually and in your own mm-hmm. life where you then have to say, what do I do? And I'm hoping, Never mind the I'm future. hoping that you will make that decision, the right decision. Never mind the future, Andrew. In our, in our current domains of power, we live within this unjust system. We benefit from this unjust mm. system in various ways. Uh, what, what are, are you, we what, doing? what are you going to do about it? And the fact that we don't do anything about it, though we speak about it every single week, mm. just demonstrates that, uh, you know, and I don't want us to leave the show with like, oh my goodness, we're, we're all screwed. But, uh, it's a good I think, challenge, I think, Roy. I think we what have the power. So, so, so in Barclays two weeks ago or so, um, a, a group of young professionals walked out, um, walked out after the announcement that another senior black mm, exec had, I, I had, had resigned and so on. So they took a stand. And, and where was everybody else when they were walking out, right? Mm. We have the power. So imagine if we all began to walk out of the corporate boardrooms in which we just feel that, uh, the injustice is too much. Mm. We have the power, but are we doing it, right? And, and I, and I, I take my hat off to some of those young professionals. Some of them I know personally who put their jobs on the line and said, this, does not does not resonate with the values that we stand for. Mm. We're going to take a stand. Then the question is, okay, what comes next? So you walk out, and then what? Uh, so we have the power where we are mm. to begin to disrupt the system in small ways and in big ways. What are we going to do about that? I think that's the good question, and that's a good challenge, Rory. Uh, maybe maybe it's time to stop looking at the Guptas, and maybe it starts, you know, it's time to start looking at ourselves and go, how are we our own Guptas in our own worlds? And what are we doing about it? And what's our change that we want to make? And I think that's a good, that's a good challenge. Maybe we need to have a show around that. Maybe we need to get a whole bunch of young people in here, our age. So it's not people that don't have agency. You know, we're starting to get agency in the world and say, what are we doing? Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's the big thing. And what thing. can we do? Because that's the other thing, you know? People sitting on, there's too many people sitting on the fence going, I don't know what to do in this world, you know? And there's very simple and small things that can be done, right? Yeah, it's, a, it, and that's the thing, right? Is we can actually do stuff today. Um, and, and what, what are we going to do? How do we disrupt these systems? Because before we speak about a tax boycott, where we all risk going to jail, let's speak about, um, the things that we can do today within the organization, a conversation that we can have that isn't being had, uh, a confrontation that needs to be had with somebody that hasn't been had. Mm. Uh, those are the small things that we can begin to do so that we can eventually get to a tax boycott. By the way, are you paying your e-tolls? <laughs> you see? No, no, no. I, I've boycotted e-tolls. Are you boycotting e-tolls? No, you not, see, that's a start. But, but not, not paying. I'm just not going on the, <laughs> going on the highways. <laughs> It's a very good question, Rory. It's a very good challenge, and I think we should take it up uh, more on this show because we need to stop looking at the other and start looking at ourselves. The other is still a problem, and let me tell you, I don't care what you say about being balanced. The Guptas need to go, Zuma needs to go, and Gigaba needs to go, and all the rest of them need to go. Yeah, Bo. Thank you. Um, But we also potentially need to go. Yeah, boy. And we need to figure out what we need to do in order to change. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much to our guests, the two Marks, Mark Hayward from Section 27 and Mark uh, Twilling from uh, the report released Betrayal of the Promise. And of course, to the general, uh, Mr. Bantu Holomisa. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Hey. Let's get out of here, homie. Let's get out of here, dog. All right. We'll see you later. Ciao. Ciao, Ciao. Cliffcentral.com.